This is no podcast music. Where's the NPR stuff? Marching band. Come on, man. The Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft. The information Sherpa you didn't know you needed. How about that? Today on the podcast, my next installment of Antifa versus Mike Strickland. Our story takes us into the trial. It's getting juicy. And it's really aggravating, as you'll hear. And if you've been following along, you know it gets bad and uh, it's about ready to get worse. So we've got a new president. Going to talk a little bit about that today. He's the new president who's the old president. And he's making moves, trying to X out as much of President Trump's presidency as possible. He's going back on the cafe standards. He's raising energy prices. He's raising taxes. And you'll never guess what just happened. The folks who do the testing now, all of a sudden, we are going to have a plunge in coronavirus cases. And you say, Victoria, well, now, why would we do that? And I'll tell you why. It's because the PCR tests that will pick up vestiges of any kind of uh, coronavirus, be they coronaviruses from the common cold or et cetera, that comes out of a positive test because we spin it so many times to uh, winnow out any vestiges of the coronavirus, well, they've decided that, you know, those are a little sensitive tests. Um, I'm sorry, but no kidding, really. And where have you been, all you WHO officials and you folks in the health uh, ivory towers of the United States government and that sort of thing? No, now we're going to have to have two tests in order to determine whether or not one does have coronavirus, which is to say that the cases, quote-unquote cases, the positive tests, that they've been calling cases, that they've been using as an excuse to shut down the economy in so many states like California and Washington State and in Oregon, those cases will go tumbling down because guess what? A lot of people don't have it. And positive tests aren't what they seem. And I just want you to watch this space because this is the kind of, if you will, I guess, deep state Uh, shenanigans that are going on. I wish I could swear right now. I I am so angry about this because people have been begging, and I mean begging, for this to happen. People have been telling the CDC, NIH, all the coronavirus poobahs and in uh, all these fanciful places with lots of letters after their names and telling them, look, you guys, this PCR test is ridiculous and you guys are doing it based on cases, not on actual illness. You know, real people are dying. No, I've got I've got a lot to say about that stuff today, but but oh, I'm sorry, I just hit my microphone. You know, this thing on? Apparently so. Oh, Kellyanne Conway's daughter's back. And she is trying to set up her mother. I think the kid might be I think she's got, well, I, we, we, we all can agree she has psychological problems. Can we all not agree there? I mean, they have four kids. This is the one who's just gone a little Looney Tunes. And my guess is she's manic depressive, uh, whatever the new euphemism is for it, the new proper word it, that it, that we call it in 2021. But, um, uh, yeah, I'm, it's eluding me, the proper name, whatever. I just want you to know that we've got some, you know, We've got some recordings of this child and her mother. She went on a, a real bender and decided that she was going to uh, tape her mom and record it. She kept a series of recordings of her mother yelling at her, which, you know, if this kid were mine, I'd be yelling a lot at her, too. But uh, I think there's some really deep-seated things. They're in family therapy. God help them. And if you know someone or are someone who's lost their job or been canceled because of support of President Trump, please get in touch with me. Here's how. Head over to victoriataft.com. Send me an email uh, or message via the website over there, victoriataft.com. Or, you know, my usual spots, victoria at victoriataft.com is my email. And then give me the story. Just kind of get nuts and bolts. I don't need a a tome. I'm sure you don't have time for that. I'll get back in touch with you, okay? And then you can tell me your story, okay? Great. So let's get to it. The new Biden administration is inaugurated and getting moved in. And now we'll be regaled by the endless news stories about not Joe Biden, 
not Dr. Jill Biden, but of course, the first woman vice president. And she will be the first Indian Jamaican woman vice president ever, ever. It won't be long before we'll be fetting our first vice president who, as a newsreader might say, let's just see, let's see, uh, transgendered, our first vice president who's transgendered, one-legged pygmy for whom sailing is a passion. The next one might be the transgendered one-legged pygmy for whom singing is a passion. So this will open up a new line of firsts and areas of real or perceived differences between people. And um, here we go. The first of the... Remember when they said that Joe Biden was naming the first openly gay person to the cabinet or some senior position in his then fanciful White House. Now it's real. And uh, Richard Grinnell, who's a gay guy who's been a German ambassador for the United States, as well as other key uh, uh, intelligence spots, and he's had uh, key intelligence posts. Uh, he's uh, he's gay, and he's like, uh, everybody knows I'm gay. I guess that makes me, quote unquote, openly gay. So uh, what? <laughs> so the media, they just glom on. Oh, wow. Speaking of which, the president-elect has tapped the Pennsylvania Health Secretary, Rachel Levine, or Levine, to be his assistant secretary of health. And uh, this leaves her to become the quote-unquote I'm reading here from, I think it's the WAPO, openly transgender federal official to be confirmed by the U.S. Senate. (laughs) See, I told you. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Have you seen this dude? It's a dude. And I'm not, believe me, I, I'm i just saying, if you're going to be transgender, if you're going to do this, would you, and you want to be a chick, I mean, you want to be a transgender female, like, try to look like one. I mean, this guy is never going to be asked to join in RuPaul's Drag Race. There's no chance. Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, you'll know if you when you see a picture of this this uh, um, f- assistant secretary of HHS, who's by the way, she is a real doctor, and at least she she has some skill set there. She'll understand a little bit about science and stuff. She's Pennsylvania's um, health person, the top health official in Pennsylvania. And she's the one who got her own mother out of the nursing homes before she greenlighted all the COVID positive people to go into nursing homes. I mean, she's just another Andrew Cuomo. It's like, you know, I'm sorry to laugh. I, I, it's a terrible thing. But I mean, hey, oh, my mother's in a nursing home. I'm going to get her out. Uh, good God. So that's that person. But I will tell you that at least uh, she's got some medical credentials because she would be the number two to Javier Becerra, who is the guy who's in charge of, or he was the the attorney, yeah, attorney general of California, who's a partisan hack. I hate to use that sort of hackneyed phrase, but it tends to suffice in this case. Anyway, uh, at least she'll be the number two to Javier Becerra, who is uh, a how do I say this? A Democrat Party hack. He was California's attorney general. Now, before you start, oh, Victoria, uh, he wasn't a hack. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, y- yes, he was. He, 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 he's terrible. He's worse than Kamala Harris, who's, by the way, going to get most of all of the fashion spreads now on all the fashion magazines that Melania Trump was never put on, she being a fashion model who is a fan... What is she, size... What is she, two or a four? I mean, she's impressive. So is Jill. Jill Jill Biden. Oh, sorry. Uh, Dr. Jill Biden is uh, very small as well. Which, I mean, I have a lot of energy on that right now because I'm still trying to get off the COVID-19... So back to the inaugural. (laughs) People were making fun of Lady Gaga's Star Spangled Banner rendition, the national anthem. And I thought it was just fine. I mean, she's got singing chops. She definitely does. Isn't it funny how I've noticed this about pop culture icons or whatever you want to call them. They always want to be something they're not. Or they have to 
get into entertainment in a in a way which is culturally appropriate for them. And by that I mean she had to be a pop diva and she actually was a certainly a, a much more trained classical singer than she's ever led on before. And so I appreciate it because I've been a, a somewhat of a trained singer. I mean, I've taken vocal lessons over the over the years and I you know, I know my way around a a, uh, an Italian aria and uh, n- not much anymore, but I did at one point in time, and I, so I get it. And so she's great. She's wonderful. And uh, I think it was her star turn with Tony Bennett that allowed her to be able to indulge that, which she already had some chops for, and she's just been working on it extra hard. She's incredibly talented. J-Lo sang, This Land is Your Land. Which is, as we may know, I I know, do you know that this is the, the Woody Guthrie ode to socialism? No, it truly is. And so it was a finger in the eye to Trump voters who don't want socialism and think that Americans own America, if you will. And to that end, Joe has told thousands of people lining up in Central America the people who are who are Americans, they're Central Americans, not United States of Americans, to please, hey guys, can you can you hold your powder a little bit? Can you just wait a little longer? We're gonna get this coronavirus all thing done. We got the PCR test that we're gonna switch over. And then we're gonna let you come. And everything's gonna be fine. Because people will say, okay, now wait a minute, you're opening borders uh, when we have a pandemic going on? Yeah, well. This is a little frightening, that whole PCR test thing. Uh, You know, the details, I'm sure, will be coming out as we go along and we'll find out why people were withholding that information from the American people, even though the people who've been canceled, people who've been canceled, who've been saying this all along, uh, knew and have been saying it, but because they have been going against the scientific orthodoxy of the Democratic Party. Remember, they say they're all about science, but they're not. Because if they were, they would have known about this uh, PCR crap. And they did know. And they just decided that they were going to change it up. They didn't even wait for Joe Biden to be in office for a few hours before they said, oh, yeah, you know that whole thing? Yeah, well, we're going to change it up. Be that as it may. Joe asked for unity. And of course, this is really going to help. I mean, I'm going to solve coronavirus. All the cases went down on my watch. You know, the jobs grew. The economy grew. Yeah, because they've been crashing the, the, the economy by closing things down because there are cases of, there are positive uh, tests. Positive tests. Now, as I've explained, positive tests are easy to get. Uh, because it's so such a sensitive test, the way we've been conducting it. Now we're going to do it twice because the other ones are too sensitive. So we are going to have a massive reduction in coronavirus cases, which is about time. And now the economy will open up a little bit, but not before Joe imposes more taxes and energy price increases. His idea of unity, which he's calling for, Unity is to act as if the beliefs and the the feelings of half the country are wrong and should be canceled. And uh, there is a latest cancellation. Have you heard this? The uh, My Pillow guy has been canceled. Literally, I mean, his pillows have been canceled. And do you know why? Well, we don't really know why. Uh, I have a feeling it's because Mike Lindell is a very big friend of President Trump. And who's canceled? Mike Lindell and MyPillow? Kohl's, Bed Bath & Beyond, the HEB stores, or it's at Heb stores, Wayfair, and Canada's Today's Shopping Choice Network. No big deal. They are engaging in retaliation against Trump supporters, as you knew. I mean, you've been watching the news, you know. So Lindell complained to Right Side Broadcasting Network, which itself was canceled right before the inauguration. So they couldn't do any live feed or anything from the inauguration to give voice to people on the right. It's the right side. Get it. 
uh, who may have wanted to chime in on Joe Biden's inauguration. And uh, so they got canceled right before the inauguration, along with Michelle Malkin. Twitter dumped them both, just suspended them for 24 hours. Why? Nah, we don't know. Nobody knew. Nobody knows. So as I said, Joe's calling for raising taxes, raising gas prices, raising other energy prices. And in a, so doing, he's ceasing, uh, he's stopping the United States from being a net exporter of energy and being self-sustaining energy-wise for the first time in 70 years, which Donald Trump had gotten us to, total energy independence. Of course, we still traded with other places, but we could sustain ourselves if it would become necessary and not get embroiled in another one of those wars that Trump really hated and never got us into. He's never got us into any war totally different from any of the previous presidents in recent memory. So Joe's calling for raising all the taxes. And so I I guess I guess, you didn't need that money, did you? Oh, and CNN said goodbye to President Trump and um, they laughed at him. As he left in Air Force One, still as the president, while he was president of the United States. And uh, he was on Air Force One at Joint Base Andrews and left to the tune. I guess there was playing all over the speakers. Left to the tune of My Way, sung by Frank Sinatra. So let's just listen. Let's, walk, let's just watch in silence as this Air Force One takes off and the Trump family leaves Washington leaves the seat of power. Yes, <laughs> it was my way. And inside the church, the Biden family Harris family, a new beginning. Listen to him laugh. That's something. Just amazing. So that's the kind of coverage you can expect for Joe Biden for the next few months, if he makes it, or years. However long he lasts, the media will be his huckleberry. They'll be like two peas in a pod. They'll be like they'll be like uh, two orangutans grooming each other. That's how that relationship is going to go. Trump must have gotten a look at that viral video you've seen going around. Have you seen the one where some guy, JSG, just some guy, put together a, a video of Air Force One taking off to the tune of My Way by Frank Sinatra. And the buzz was that it was a commercial by the Trump White House. And the, you know, it's been going around for a few weeks, right? And I'm going, I've seen that before, and it's just some guy. It's part of a montage somebody put together. And I mean, I don't know why everybody's making a big deal. Oh, it's the latest commercial for President Trump. It's the best thing ever. And it is very, you know, he loves that song. You know, he did it his way. And sometimes it wasn't civil, as we all know. And so we get it. But it wasn't a commercial by President Trump. Can we just acknowledge that, please, for God's sake? I had that thing sent to me so many times. I mean, you ought to see my messenger list. Same video, same video, same video. And, and, and by the way, please stop sending me ridiculous videos, especially from the QAnon crackpots. Could you please do that? By the way, you got played. I'm going to just take a drink of my... Mm. I juiced some, you know, vegetables and fruit today. Yeah, it tastes just like you'd think it would. So... But it was good. It was it wet my whistle, and it was very good for me. So please don't send me any more of those QAnon com- commercials <laughs> or videos. Please don't. Uh, speaking of which, no children's adrenal glands were stolen in the making of this podcast. So, have you seen the QAnon videos? I've only started seeing them in the last week or so, two weeks maybe. And honest to God, these are... It's just like, who are who falls for this stuff? Who is falling for this stuff? But I guess the whole uh, WikiLeaks thing makes you wonder if some of this stuff could be true. 
I mean, one of the things that I heard this guy say, because I, my, and by the way, that guy was disappeared off Twitter, or correction, YouTube, the day after I saw his, his uh, video. So it must have been really making waves. Oh, we're going to go to our military where, you know, it's going to happen. It's going to be a big something or other. It's a military thing. The military is going to turn on, on uh, the Democrat. That's, this is where, this is why there are 20,000 National Guard troops in Washington, D.C. to, quote, unquote, keep the peace because of QAnon claptrap. And QAnon claptrap is the same group of people that put out the do the OK sign and it's a white supremacist sign just to see how stupid people are. They're not even right-leaning people necessarily. Did you did you hear? I did a story this week about the guy who stole Nancy Pelosi's podium, and I did one about uh, the other guy who was in the Capitol building, and he's called Baked Alaska. I learned a little bit about Baked Alaska. Everybody's all oh, Baked Alaska. Oh, Baked Alaska. Oh, he got caught. He did this. He did. I'm going, who the hell is Baked Alaska? I've seen, I have seen his, uh, his name before. And I don't mean just on a menu. But I mean, I've seen his name before somewhere, somehow. Oh, here's what I found out. Oops. Uh, here's what I found out. Dude is a former... Black Lives Matter protester who's done a complete turn, I guess. I don't know. I don't know who these Q people are. Are they right? Are they left? Have they met somewhere in the crackpot middle? I don't know. So he's a former BLM dude who used to work at BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed, the people who brought you the Russian dossier. Um, so, and uh, let's see what else. Oh, yeah. BuzzFeed. Oh, and then he came and then he he glommed on to Trump. He thought, oh, you know, Trump's I like that guy. I like the cut of that guy's jib. And so then he goes on the road with Milo Yiannopoulos. And you can't get I mean, Milo is pretty darn right, I would say. So he's gone from BLM to working for a liberal publication to going with Milo. So anyway, this baked Alaska guy, he's come full circle. I mean, I don't know. He's going to end up on the left again. I think some of this Q stuff is left. No, seriously. It's crazy. It's it's crazy. And it's partially left. So, which brings us to Kellyanne Conway and her husband. Kellyanne Conway is the successful pollster. She, she was a baller. I mean, she had it all. And she was a very effective messenger for the Trump White House. She led his, uh, she, she was his campaign manager. Remember after all the Russia, 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 Paul Manafort, who did not register under FARA to be a federal uh, registered uh, lobbyist or what have you? And then they got him on that. And then they started looking into his books because they 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 got they started spying on him. That would be the NSA, CIA and uh, FBI intelligence people. Yeah. And then they they ran the they got had to get rid of him. They had to get rid of Flynn. And I, I don't know. Paul, I think. By acclamation, Paul Manafort, not a nice guy. But anyway, so Kellyanne Conway takes over from Paul Manafort and uh, midwives a Trump victory in 2016. She is on she's at the pinnacle of her career. And her husband decides at one point that he's going to go after her boss. I don't like Trump. He's uncivil. He's a he's a total douchebag. He's this. He's that. I don't like him. He's not a I would say uh, he, he has no philosophical underpinnings whatsoever that I can tell, except that he's an American and he doesn't like war and he's a big spender. I mean, dude was a huge spender. Uh, so anyway, but of course, if I mean, on the coronavirus, come on. He had to spend on that. I mean, he did. He just went, okay, let's open the checkbook. I mean, you got to appreciate the fact that there was a 33% growth rate, the highest ever in the history of our country during the Trump presidency in the last uh, 12 months until 
coronavirus took effect and everything got shut down. And if you don't think some of those shutdowns weren't for politics, then you just didn't notice what just happened with the PCR tests. Yeah. Anyway, still drinking my fruit juice. Anyway, um, so he hates Trump, right? George Conway, Kellyanne Conway's husband, hates Trump. And he's doing everything he can to torpedo her career. This is a power couple. And he's doing everything he can to torpedo her career. Because he's now in charge of the, or one of, the founding members of the I hate Donald Trump fan club, which is otherwise known as the Lincoln Project, which is a hilariously ironic name for these political grifters. I mean, it must have been a real party back at home. But the teenage daughter, Claudia, had just run off the rails. She's incorrigible. And it's really important to know what that means. Um, It means, I have the definition here, of a person or their tendencies not to be corrected, improved, or reformed. That's why we used to call those JDH houses that kids used to go to, the bad guys, reform schools. So this is a kid in a state of active, ongoing defiance against her mother. And you'll have to just put on your Kevlar earplugs for one of the videos coming up in just a second. So there's a civil war, if you will, at the Conway home. Kellyanne worked for the president of the United States of America as a senior counselor. And her husband worked against the president of the United States of America and went on social media where his daughter was, by the way, and and uh, smack talked the president of the United States of America. So the honor of a lifetime for Kellyanne Conway and her husband did everything he could to undermine her. Wow, it's, I mean, it's just extraordinary. Where are all the feminists coming out for her? They're nowhere because she's a Republican. She's a self-made woman. She doesn't need them. Anyway, so George and Kellyanne decided to quit their respective jobs last, I think it was August. Um, his as an anti-Trump grifter and hers as a uh, senior counselor to the president of the United States of America. Gee, I wonder whose job was more important. So let's go to the Wayback Machine. This is what she told the Washington Post. Quoting here. This is completely my choice and my voice. In time, I will announce future plans. For now, and for my beloved children, it will be less drama, more mama. So for her part, the incorrigible one said on her social media and in the Washington Post, she said that um, social media was becoming way too much, so she decided to take a mental health break. See you all soon, she wrote. Thank you for the love and support. No hate to my parents, please. Conway left right before the National uh, Republican National Convention. So I guess that over the summer. She left him at the most crucial time of the campaign. It couldn't, you know, nothing could wait. So the reason I bring that up is because I think parents should be there for their parent, for their children, obviously. They have them. They should take care of them. And what really annoyed me was that she left and he stayed. He kept on social media, trash-talking the president, downgrading her job, her expertise. This is what she said a little bit later. She said it was disrespectful, that what he did. To which I would say, you don't say. Anyway, he got her to leave when the president needed her most and then resumed his Lincoln Project hatred. I mean, it was a Lucy in the football situation. Anyway, so her four, ki- her four kids needed her. Somewhere along the line, Claudia became 16 and went back on social media. So she's a difficult, defiant kid who uh, sounds like, according to one of the, the videos, that um, she was doing inappropriate stuff online. And you look at her and you go, I totally believe that. Totally. And I think I heard the word sexting in one of the videos that she put up, that, Cla- uh, that Claudia put up. She was taking a video of her mom talking to a police officer because Claudia, who represents that said police officer, came when she was home alone. Um, 
So she called him, obviously. I assume maybe the mom called. Who knows? I'm Anyway, so here is the one that got the ball rolling. Here's the kid to who was doing a compendium of things her mother supposedly said to her, but we have no verification of to whom Kellyanne Conway was talking. We do know that there were some references to her daughter because you can tell because she calls the kid exactly what she is. Listen up. Fuck you. I can get you taken out of here today. Stupid ass thing you always say. I wish because then she she would fuck you. I told you that. You don't fucking listen. No, what the fuck is wrong with you? We get coronavirus from the president. We got everybody got coronavirus from somebody who was flew in for that event. That's not true. Thank you, coronavirus from the president. You're wrong. You only knew what people thought of you. You don't know because they knew you got other problems. I'll take you, by the way. The only place that'll take you that you weren't going to post about your family anymore. You just lie to everyone, and everybody sees it. Everyone sees it. You're a grateful bitch. And since you're lucky, your mom's pro-life. You! Fuck you! I thought that was over! It's over! I thought we had no who's following you, dumbass! A COVID recap with Kelly. Asshole. So, uh, this is a co- you know, COVID. Hey, look, you know, there's an, there's one about uh, what her mom says, and, and her mom got COVID. And uh, her kid went online and said she got it at the from the president. And so Kellyanne Conway's going, what are you talking about? So there were times where her mom sounds fine, nice, fine. And there are other times where clearly mom's lost her, her, her stuff at her kid. Um, I've played some other ones, but it's going to be too, you know, it's just going to be ridiculous. But what really annoys me about this whole thing is, you know, whenever Kellyanne's talking to her kid, there's never any video audio from dad. Where's dad? I thought dad was going to be back at home with the children, that he was going to step away from his divisive, horrible role at the Lincoln Project, trying to tear down the duly elected president of the United States of America and go home to his children. Oh, oh, no. Kellyanne, I'm sorry, you have to leave one of the most important jobs in the entire world to be home with your daughter. She's really mad at you, Mom, so you have to go. I think it's disrespectful, said Kellyanne to the Washington Post when they did a piece on them, both of them, George and Kellyanne, about how they do things at home. I think it disrespects his wife. Um... Kellyanne, an independent woman, an independent woman stuck between two men who could blow up her day with one tweet. Nobody knows who I am because of my husband, she says. People know of my husband because of me. And that's absolutely true. And here a wife or a husband subtweeting his wife's boss may seem less of an act of moral courage than a juicy gossip item or possibly a way for a family to hedge its bets. So she's bringing up the specter that they have an agreement between them to um, hedge their bets so that they can work both sides of the political aisle when Trump is gone. That's nonsense. They're both, they, at least George used to be a Republican. So I'd play for the, the rest of the videos for you, but I'm getting long and you can go watch them yourself. And I mean, it's enough that you had the one fake one. I just, I, I hesitate to endorse um, the veracity of one of her videos. Seriously. And um, I don't know. I saw the I saw her kid, Claudia. Um, people who hate Kellyanne Conway have called the police. They've called Children's Services. They have sent legal information on social media to get the kid to become emancipated. And I'm looking at these pictures of this child, the 16-year-old child, and the, she's got a new hair color. So, so the video that we just played for you, that whole thing where mom's doing dropping the f bomb over and over and over and over, um, she's all she got blonde hair. Well, now she's got brunette hair, and it's obviously a compendium of videos taken or audio tracks or what have you taken over a period of who knows how long. But now she's got she's got brunette hair and she's got what she definitely has at least that I can I think she's got hair extensions. 
I said, she's definitely got them, but she probably has them. Those are incredibly expensive. She's got nails as long as people's fingers. And she's got her a cell phone, and I can't believe her parents haven't taken the cell phone away from her. I know they're making her pay for her own cell phone now. But anyway, so my point is, you have no idea what happens in the four corners of a home. You have no idea. This kid is out of control, and the only time kids that age get where they're lashing out and telling on their parents or what have you is when they're mad uh when they are when they emote when they decide they're going to take paper pen to paper when they decide that they're going to act out in some way it's not because they're happy no you only see them when they're mad and this kid if you go look at her tiktok account and i stay off tiktok i don't belong to tiktok i don't have an account on tiktok because it's still as far as i know i know microsoft's going to buy them and everything and that's everything's going to be fine and it's chinese technology and there is there's a reason you don't use it and i can't believe kellyanne conway's kid can use it <sighs> boy has she not talked to bill barr anyway i digress she doesn't like mom's politics Dad doesn't like mom's politics. Guess who wins? Dad wins. Are there any videos trash talking dad? No, because they're politically aligned because dad goes on social media and trashes his wife too. I mean, for God's sake, George. I, you know, I, every once in a while, I'll see him tweet and I'll go, oh, I thought you were staying home for the children, George. I thought you were staying home for the children. Because I'm just thinking, it's just so profoundly unfair. Kids kids can just be little shits. They can. They can. I've experienced this. And, you know, you just try to do what you can. You go to counseling, you do what you have to do. And sometimes they piss you off too much. Anyway, I hope someday that Claudia has a kid just like her. That would serve her right. What's that old saying? Believe half of what you see and none of what you hear. The truth here, I'm afraid, is somewhere way in between. Kids lie. Parents lie. It's hard being a parent. It's even worse when you have to parent a little creep like this. Okay, get in touch with me. I'm sure a lot of people will disagree. Victoria at victoriataft.com. Check out victoriataft.com. If you want to leave a message there, there's a way to do it. And if you're on social media platforms, are you still there? Have you been canceled yet? At Victoria Taft, everywhere until I'm canceled. Coming up, our next installment of Antifa versus Mike Strickland on the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft. Get out of here, racist. I'm not a racist. Dude, don't get the out of here. Don't put your hands on me. Don't put your hands on me. Get the out of here, racist. Don't put your hands on me. Do not put your hands on me. Do not put your hands on me. Put the out of here. Don't do it. 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 Don't do Before the nightly riots we've seen in the news, there was one case. The first case, the case of Mike Strickland. Now at noon, another court appearance today for the man caught on camera waving a gun at protesters in Portland last month. And now he faces a lot more charges. Michael Strickland faces 21 counts connected to that incident. He was a journalist who was beaten by Antifa and Black Lives Matter protesters. And he defended himself from the mob with his legal gun 
and not a shot was fired. Our position hasn't changed. Our client's position has not changed. That he is not guilty, that he was using the um, weapon to protect himself, and he was doing so within his rights. The only one hurt that day in July of 2016 was Mike Strickland. And the only one punished was Mike Strickland, the victim. I'm of the firm and steadfast opinion that when they come for Strickland's rights, they're coming for mine next. See, Antifa says it's anti-fascist, but Antifa is really anti-First Amendment. It's going back to the street violence of the 1920s and 1930s as a technique and a tactic. And the court system doesn't realize it's happening. This is the story of Mike Strickland. The star witness for the prosecution at Mike Strickland's trial, the witness they knew about anyway, was the nearly 400-pound Ben Carenza, who admitted in the last episode during his court testimony that he conspired with others to throw Strickland out of the Don't Shoot Portland Black Lives Matter protest July 7, 2016. Lawyers were under a gag order. The media attention on the Strickland case was heavy, most pointedly in the alternative press, only too happy to depict the professional YouTuber and videographer on the right as a bad guy. Why? The name of his YouTube channel is Laughing at Liberals. They hated him. Television reporters tied mentions of the Strickland case with the case of the Black Lives Matter protest in Dallas, in which a far-left gunman shot five police officers dead. Strickland had a gun. He must be as whacked out as that guy, right? Strickland had ten alleged victims, only two of whom were named— one of them, Ben Carenza, was part of the conspiracy to kick Strickland out from the protest as he testified. He came at Strickland's left flank as Strickland's other victim, who claimed to be a protest peacekeeper, came on his other. Several others were arrayed in front of him. Ten victims. Two names. The other, quote, victims were never identified. Strickland was up on ten counts and never got to face eight of his supposed accusers. The entire jury pool had been dismissed, as we've told you, because 30 to 50 percent of the potential jurors either hated guns or didn't think you should use one if you had one. One person, attorneys found out during voir dire, was a protester at the same protest, and still another was part of the anti-gun group that Strickland's videos lampooned with regularity. This is Portland. A motion to get the trial moved out of the far-left Multnomah County DA's jurisdiction was denied. Sure. Fair jury. Right. So they were relying on the judge alone to mete out justice in the best of Western tradition, due process, fair trial. The prosecution's star witness that the defense knew about anyway at that point was named Benjamin Carenza, as we've pointed out. He's a multiple state and federal felon, a hacker, bomb hoaxer, and FBI agent impersonator, among many other things on his rap sheet. In the last episode, we heard Carenza admit on the witness stand that he had conspired with others to throw out Strickland from the public rally in March at the Don't Shoot Portland Black Lives Matter protest. There was video proof of the conspirators talking and then acting as well. Carenza would put his bandana over his face. This is 2016, remember, pre-COVID? And he was part of the black bloc. He figured no one would recognize him if he just put the mask on. He was part of the Antifa mob. Are you a member of the Pacific Northwest Anti-Fascist Workers Collective? Objection. Relevance. What's the relevance? The relevance is that was Strickland's attorney, Chris Trotter, asking Carenza if he was part of a Facebook group called the Pacific Northwest Anti-Fascist Workers Collective. It was believed it was at this group's website and another event page where Antifa members posted the words, Stop Mike Strickland. Are you aware of a, a Facebook page known uh, as Stop Michael Strickland? A Facebook page? Uh, yeah. um, not a Facebook page, no. Are you aware of some online source by that name? 
Um, I'm aware of a event page, an event created, but not a Facebook page. Have you muted it? I have. Um, I haven't. I saw that there's a an event for yesterday and today. Okay. So you have read that that post for the event announcement? Yes. Okay. And in there, in that post, it states that <coughs> Jeff Singer and James Peach Maddox will be testifying for the defense. I don't. I don't. Didn't see that on that page. No. Trotter mentions James Peach, one of the people I've interviewed for this story. He and Jeff Singer, whom I've also interviewed, were testifying before the grand jury. Their names had come up on the web page. Carenza said he saw the event page but didn't happen to see the words about stopping Mike Strickland. In testimony, the DA led Carenza on a travelogue of the video of the assault, leading to Strickland pulling his gun. Carenza made sure to say he thought Strickland looked unstable that day, and then referred to Strickland reaching for his waistband, maybe for a gun. He did this a couple of times during his testimony to justify attacking Strickland. The sometime fabulist wanted to make sure he looked a hero to the court. Listen to his testimony to the deputy DA in the case. That's my voice. That's you? Yep. Okay. Um, you previously described that um, you were telling to me, you said something to that effect. Did that sound like how you remember yes. the interaction? Okay. Do you remember Mr. Strickland saying anything back to you? Yeah, he's, he started to say something um, as he was starting to touch his waistband area. So, that's me. Um, I didn't push him, but I, I did pull him. Yeah. Oh, pull him? Yeah. Okay. And uh, how did you do that? Can you describe that for us? Um, my recollection was grabbing on to somewhere in his, the front of his abdomen, uh, close to his uh, shoulder area. Um, but he was responsive immediately, like he moved his body away. So Away from you or away from the front? Away from me. Away from you. Okay. Yeah, so he wasn't resistant to it. <clears throat> kind of assisted himself away from the crowd. Okay, and so when you grabbed him, he was like, hand pulled closed and kind of pulled him, pulled this him way. back like this? Or like, like, like this way. Like this? Right, but to the left. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and he, uh, what did he do? Um, well, he grasped onto his gun before that, and then he moved away. The crowd started when I, I yelled gun, and, uh, you know, everything started to happen pretty quickly then. Um, but he started backing away. Okay. Um, he continued to try to talk to people. So the prosecution has a bit of a problem. Carenza admits he and his mob conspired, carried out, and admitted the assault. He said it all in court. Carenza said that after he attacked Strickland, Strickland assisted himself away from the crowd after being seized upon by Carenza's mob. Intimidated by a mob. Hmm. And just an aside, this is interesting. If you've got a gun and you're being mobbed, would you be concerned your gun could be turned on you? I mean, this is a question that should be asked somewhere in the narrative, but it never is. I'd reach to make sure it was still A, there, B, ready to go in case I needed it. I've done that with my cell phone and my chapstick. I'd sure do it with a gun. But of course, there was never any proof offered that Strickland actually went to his waistband. That was simply a story that Carenza told on the witness stand to justify attacking him. It was a volatile situation. Strickland was anything but unstable. He went up his decision tree. He barked orders. Then, using his monopod, created space between him and the mob who were closing in quick. And then, resorting to his gun. Never having his finger close to the trigger. 
but he scared the mob away. Mission accomplished. Experts who have looked at the videotape of Mike Strickland responding to the mob said he showed incredible trigger discipline. And then Carenza testified he felt some fear but didn't think Strickland would actually shoot him. Why? He said he was unstable in court. And he never noticed that Strickland's finger was never on the trigger. He was so close. Later, the deputy DA tried to clean up Carenza's admission of assaulting Strickland. Carenza testified he pulled Strickland out of the crowd. And that could be construed as assault. Carenza testified he assaulted Strickland to make the crowd safer from a videographer taking pictures. Carenza, why did you pull Mr. Strickland into this crowd? I was about the safety of the crowd and reacting to what was happening, what was playing out. Aside from the initial pulling of Mr. Strickland, did you attempt to hurt him in any other way? Not to my recollection, no. Did you see anybody else do it? Not to my recollection, no. Reacting to what was playing out? What safety issue did Strickland present? Did he foresee the safety issue when he conspired with the friends several hundred feet away to go after him? Strickland was taking video, as he always did. That was his job, and they hated him for it. Did you intend to hurt him in any other way, asked the deputy DA. The answer from Carenza was, not to my recollection. What an odd response. State of mind seemed to be an important factor here, but that was never pursued. Carenza started the attack you've heard so many times at the beginning of the story. If he hadn't, nothing would have happened that day, but it did. And now Strickland is paying the price. There were two attacks, actually. One, the physical roughing up with the Antifa flagstaffs and Carenza fists, and then an even bigger mob, at least 10 people, of course, because they were all quote-unquote victims, running toward him, converging on him. Carenza was there. He was running towards Strickland, and Strickland pulled his gun to stop the onslaught of not just Carenza, but the other victims whose names they didn't know, whose faces were covered in some cases. And Carenza, who wouldn't drop a dime on his co-conspirators because, as he previously testified, doggone it, he just couldn't manage to remember their names. He's a practiced witness because he's been in court, in trial, and in jail several times before. But he seemed to be tripping up again. Under cross-examination, Carenza shaded his story even more. He now said he manhandled Strickland because he knew he had a gun and had to protect the crowd. Please describe exactly what you saw. When we approached, he, uh, once he was alerted and I said what I, I said to him, he put his hand under there and grabbed onto it. What was the distance from you to him at the time? That uh, it was very, like a foot, maybe. A foot. Yeah, that's a guess. I mean, you know, I didn't have the measuring tape or anything, but it was about a foot, and I was kind of looking down at him and around. Where was he facing? Huh? He was facing me at this point. He was facing you. At what point? So he's a foot away from you. He's yep. Facing you, and you're facing him. Uh, yes. So you're face-to-face? That's correct. And you said you're looking down at him. How tall are you? Um, I'm 5'8". Yeah, I don't know his height, no. But you were looking down at him? I was looking down towards his... I was looking around, but I, when I looked down, I noticed that's what was occurring. Okay. So you look, you, you look toward his waist at what point? Um, when I was... When I had told him to uh, get the fuck out of here because he moved his hand down there. So I'm confused about the sequence of events. Okay. So why don't you walk us through it one more time? Okay. Starting with when you were approaching him. Okay. Please do that. Yep. So we were approaching him, um, and a lady had said something like, Hey, what are you guys doing? Grabbed me by the arm. And when she did that... Do you know who that was? Um, I don't know. She was an African-American lady. Okay. And... What distance... What distance were you from Mr. Strickland at that Um, I was a couple feet. I mean, let's be specific as you can. Does a couple feet mean from you to me, or does it mean two feet? 
No, I was I was about four feet away. And she grabbed me and I kind of like pulled my arm away from her and kept trying to continue to proceed towards Strickland. So at that point you still had a setting? No. Okay. You were just walking through the crowd. Right. And this woman and you just walking through the crowd. Just just walking through. And the woman says, What are you doing? Well, we were walking towards him. Well, did you find it odd that you're just walking normally through the crowd and somebody calls their attention and not that they're going to grab you and say, what are you doing? Um, no. No? No. So obviously you're walking toward them in a menacing manner. In an intentional manner. Intentional. Intentionally menacing. No, I wouldn't describe it as menacing. So it's just walking toward him and a woman grabs you and says, hey, what are you doing? Right. And she just did, to the best of your ability, please tell us how softly or loudly or angrily, would you please describe how she said it? She said it kind of like she was shocked. Shocked? Yeah. Do your best impression. I don't think I could do that. I don't have a woman. Whoa, 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 whoa. When there's an objection, we stop. Rounds for objection. It's cumulative. This point has to be answered. Overrule. You may continue. Repeat the question. Thank you. Please reproduce, emulate, whatever word you want to use to the best of your ability. How she said it to you. I can't do it in a woman's voice, but she said, hey, what are you guys doing? Is it about, about like that? It was a little higher pitched. It wasn't a yell or a shout. It was enough that your client heard it. So, what was the noise level at this uh, at that Um, it was pretty loud. No, I don't think anybody else that was, you know, feet away heard it. So she wasn't particularly loud enough that the crowd could hear it, but uh, I heard it. Strickland heard it. Yes? Never mind, you're in Okay. Let's do this a lot of pressure, right? Yep. So there's a lot of people milling around. There's things going on with loudspeakers. Yep. Yep. And your testimony is that she said, obviously not in the yell, but you emulated. Right. What are you doing? Yep. Grab your arm. Yep. And Mr. Strickland heard you. Four feet away. He didn't hear me, he heard her. Heard her. Unless he magically coincidentally just decided to turn. It seems unlikely though, because That's of the one explanation. Right. Alright, so how many people in that group with you? I don't know the amount of people that were behind me. Let's talk about that then. So, you don't know who these people were except for, I said, uh, Mr. Peach? No, Jeff Singer. Now it's Mr. Singer? I believe I testified Jeff Singer. Well, you didn't. You said Mr. Peach. So, which one is it? I, I, whatever the testimony I provided was. How about from your recollection? Jeff Singer. How was he dressed? Black clothing. You know Mr. Singer? Um, I know, I know who he is, yes. Okay, you're friends with him? No. Do you like him or dislike him? Objection relevance. What's the relevance? You kind of established the nature of their familiarity or relationship with each other as they are apparently part of the group approaching Mr. Carenza. Texas overruled. Do you like him, yes or no? Um, I'm not fond of him. But he approached you as part of this group and asked for help. That's correct. Okay. Is his face covered? Um, yes. Face is covered. And how did you know it was him? Distinct voice. Okay. And uh, does he do look a lot like Mr. Peach? Mm, no, he does not look a lot like Mr. Peach. Okay. So. Prior to this incident, 
Have you ever spent time with just the senior? Yes. You hung out with him? Uh, one occasion, yes. What was that occasion? How long before the incident? Um, I don't, I don't recall. And what did you, what did you do hanging out? Um, I went around. They invited me for a cop watch. Okay. Yeah. And besides that one time you hung out with him, have you ever spoken to him? I've seen him at rallies and stuff like that. Yes. But enough that you, when you saw him and his face was covered. Dressed in black, mm-hmm. uh, you recognize it just from his voice. That's correct. Once again, you certainly wasn't. They were wearing black clothing, so it, it's a possibility it could have been, but it sounded like Mr. Singer. They're not built the same, are they? Or are they? Mm-hmm. No, they're slightly different. Are you aware that? Mr. Singer is going to be testifying in this trial? I, I assume so. You assume so? I don't know. I don't know what the... You have no personal knowledge of I don't know who what the list of witnesses are. No one's told you that. None of your friends. No, no one in your community has told you that. He has told me that he was called to a grand jury. He told you that personally? Yes. Okay, so we ask him tomorrow, isn't it? Confirm that? I guess. You don't like each other. He called you to tell you. Huh? He, he didn't call, so call me to tell me. He told me on Facebook. Alright. Did you know that Mr. Peach is going to be testifying? I did not. Mr. Peach, as Trotter referred to him, as someone you've heard before in this story. In 2016, I talked with the anarchist videographer who films police a short time after the attacks on Strickland. Peach's story diverged from Carenza's story in that after he saw the conspirators talk together, he knew there was something up. He told me there was a prolonged tussle between the conspirators and Strickland and saw some pushing and pulling. This is how Peach, his nom de plume, of course, described the attack from his vantage point above the protest. So now where were you again? So I was up there, up on the, yeah, up like at the top and uh, just filming the... uh, Filming stuff that's going on here, and then the humongous crowd that was like filled half the park and half in all the street way down there. It was like over 2,000 people showed up. It was crazy. <clears throat> and so uh, I saw them back there, like behind the, because there was like you know a, a line that ended right about the top of the steps. The crowd did, and then over there I saw people talking and they're agitated. And uh, two of them, two of them were my good friends. So I, I was like, oh, something's going to go, you know, I wonder what they're, what they're doing. But uh, no one knew where, I don't think anyone knew where I was to come and find me and tell me, blah, blah, blah. Because I was up there, like, I don't know. And uh, so I saw them walk around the building and then come to, yeah, here, there you go. So I walked, saw so them around the building and then Strickland was like. You mean through this opening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a, there was like a little corridor it's hallway. A thing kind of yeah. Thing. And they walked around that way. So I lost sight of them for a minute and then saw them come around here and Strickland was like I don't know around there-ish or so yeah and uh came up grabbed Strickland like well they so he approached it wasn't like an instant like go and grab him there was like five seconds or so and then they grabbed Strickland pulled him out and there was like scuffling and scuffling and I was like oh shoots I need to get down because something's happening I didn't know who I didn't even know who it was or why they were doing it I just you know, I was like, I don't have a good angle of this. So I climbed down off that pillar, which took me a minute, and then got through the crowd. And then over there, by the time I got over there, they were already up the block, and I didn't even know. Another film, The Police Portland, videographer who goes by the nom de plume, Mike Bluehair, can be heard telling Strickland to put down his gun. You've heard this before. In the video, Strickland complies, and you can hear Carenza still screaming, he's got a gun.
Please, stand here and hold everybody back. Yeah, stand here. Hey, hey, look at me. Hey, leave. Leave so you'll be safe. I mentioned blue hair here because later in a chat room by Antifa members, blue hair is called a, quote, piece of shit for doing a radio interview about the Strickland affair. It could be referring to this story, as a matter of fact. And there's corroboration that it was their mob going for Strickland. In a post by a woman named Heidi, Curtis writes, I was there, too, behind the car. I think I saw you hit the deck with some of the others behind the car, Heidi. I couldn't see the gun because there were so many blocks, referring to black blocks, running around between me and Strickland. It took me a bit to realize what was going on. Heidi wrote back, I was actually trying to organize the white folks to create a wall of solidarity on the perimeter of the rally on the steps while that was all going down to do accomplice work in the moment, but some white folks weren't listening. Heidi is one of the members of Rose City Antifa, one of the most notorious of the Antifa gangs around the country. Next time, the trial continues and the defense eventually calls... Under the penalty of perjury, do you solemnly swear or affirm that the testimony you're about to give in this matter will be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Yes. Please have a seat, state your full name and spell it. My name is Andy Ngo. My first name is spelled A-N-D-Y. My surname is spelled N-G-O. Go ahead when you're ready. Thank you. Next time on Antifa versus Mike Strickland on the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft. This week's episode of the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft is brought to you by VictoriaTaft.com. Editing, mastering, advertising, technical support, and understanding for the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft is by 1A Cast. The music is gospel by the March 4th Band of Portland, Oregon. Music for the case of Mike Strickland is Ride or Die by RC, and it is used by permission. Find RC on all social sites at Raps by RC. Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and Instagram at Raps by RC. Imaging for the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft is by 1A Cast. Logo by Heigeman Creative. Find him on Instagram. Photo of Victoria Taft is by Hilly Collective. The Adult in the Room podcast is produced by Flamingo Road Studios. All rights reserved. <laughs>